Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I am Sarah, the proud producer of the Inclusive Activism Podcast. This week, I get to do the intro message, which I'm very excited about. So hello, everyone. Today, we have an amazing treat for you. Rowdy's interview with Dr. Puff. Dr. Puff is the host of the Happiness Podcast that he records from Southern California. So our interview was actually done over Skype, and we are very excited about it because it turned out pretty good and this opens opportunities for new interviews but also allowed us to interview Dr. Puff and share his interview with you so we are very happy about that before I let you go if you have any thoughts comments or if you want to ask us anything or just say hi we do have a phone number where you can leave uh, either a voicemail or you can text us. And that number is 860-576-9393. I'll repeat the number, 860-576-9393. You can also email us at inclusiveactivism at cox.net. I-N-C-L-U-S-I-V-E. A-C-T-I-V-I-S-M at cox.net. We would love to hear from you. It would be so great if we could have a conversation. I always get excited when Rowdy tells me that we have a new voicemail. So feel free to talk to us. We would love to hear from you. I also want to remind you that you can review us and subscribe to our podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Play FM overcast and we would love to receive those reviews from you so that we can be a little bit more visible and have more listeners and be able to share our message if you could also share our podcast on your social media and let people know that we are here and that we would love to have them as listeners we would be really appreciative of that so without further ado i am going to pass it over to the interview with dr puff i hope you enjoy i'm really happy to have dr robert puff join us today on the inclusive activism podcast and in order to get started i thought i'd get dr puff the opportunity just to introduce himself in whatever way he'd feel most comfortable uh meeting you all well yes my name's dr robert puff it's nice to meet you rowdy too and I am the creator of the Happiness Podcast. It's, I've been doing it for about six years now, so I um, really enjoy it. I just What I try to do is bring in there messages of how we can be happy and peaceful on an ongoing basis, no matter what. That's kind of the real key factor there, because um, we definitely, through life, go through challenging times. I'm a clinical psychologist by trade, and I also you know, work with corporations. But my main job is to help people get their lives better, or get their corporations better. And I've just learned some things that really work. I try to keep them quite simple, but they are um, very practical. They're, um, they make sense once you do them, once you hear about them. But you know, doing them can be hard because we're. We, I often use the example of, like with losing weight. Um, it's not complicated to lose weight. You need to exercise and eat less, but doing that can be challenging. So um, I try to keep my things simple, but yet also very practical with their work. It's just um, implementing them, and once you do, you see pretty fast effects. So I really love what I do. I've had four million downloads so far. So hopefully, I just keep helping people around the world. So. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations on the work that you do. Um, I see you're very prolific in the work that you do, uh, but I know it's helping a lot of people, so I'm really happy to hear that. 
So how did you kind of find yourself here in this work? What was your, your journey that led you to be where you are now? Yeah, great question. When I was younger, my parents always said, the second I'd have a question out and they'd be answering it, I'd have, I'd have another one on the tip of my tongue. So I've always been incredibly curious. I have like two masters, a PhD, two, two years postdoc, and I love to learn. But the other thing that, you know, call it a gift that I have that works well for me is it's a kind of what I call a truth factor. My background in clinical psychology, obviously I've studied a lot of that, a lot of psychology. And I'll see the different theories out there. I'll see what people preach, what you need to do in order to make your life work well. And then I kind of look at their lives and say, hmm, are their lives working? The classic thing I hear is, this is great stuff. I'm not doing it, but this is great stuff. So I figure if it should work, you ought to be able to implement it. So I just kept looking. And psychology definitely teaches us, us things. I think success teaches us things. I think positivism teaches us things. But, you know, at the deep level, you know, it's, it's, it's more than that. You have to really deal with how the universe works. And the universe works by change. And that change is what challenges us because when we're about two or three years old what i've discovered is we have two things that kick in one is fear and the other is desire we like things so we want more of them that's called desire and we don't like things so we push them away that's called fear and it sounds simple but those two things create all the suffering that we go through because life changes we can't hang on to anything so we can't we can't deal with our desires our attachment and because life changes, sometimes we do face our fears. So instead of fighting them or grab, trying to grasp them, a better approach, what I try to teach is, is flowing with life. And that we're, um, we're very resilient, we're good at adapting, as long as we don't fight life. When we fight life, then we suffer. And um, it doesn't really matter what's happening in our life. What really matters is what's happening inside our head. And the way we interact with the world is how we're gonna end up living in the world. So the good news is, there's good and bad news. The bad news is, if you're suffering, it's your fault. The good news is, if you're suffering, you can change it, and only you can. So that's the great news. Nothing can keep you from being a truly happy, you know, beautifully living person. So I noticed there seems to be a really good amount of Buddhist thought in your work. Where did this come from, and how did you find a way to incorporate this in what you do? Yeah, I think, again, just overall, I mean, it's, 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 it's many, to be honest. I have, a, I have two masters. One of my masters is, is in comparative religion. So I've studied all of them. Okay. I was raised Christian and I was, grew up in Iowa. Um, so that's my original background. What I found is truth is always been there. I mean, uh, like the golden rule, for example, I think it's a great rule to live by. But Confucius was actually the first person that, that we have in history that said it. You know, the Buddha said it, Christ said it, Muhammad said it, they all say it. And what I found is there's, there's simple truths. Like, you know, I think one of the ones that within the Christian world that is said that it isn't really promulgated that, you know, like if you want to enter the kingdom, you have to have the heart of a young child. Mm -hmm. and I think there's deep wisdom in that one. And then, you know, and um, that, you know, if you, again, another one that, you know, within the Christian tradition is if you want to, you know, if, why worry? Because, you know, God takes care of things. He takes care of the birds of the air, the lilies of the field. So it's, it's in all faiths. I just... Because it wasn't emphasized in Christianity, mm -hmm. and I saw it far more emphasized in Eastern religion, both Hinduism and Buddhism, mm -hmm. I kind of extracted it, but it made immediate sense. I said, okay, this makes sense. So so what I find, like I said, is, you know, I think pop psychology or even modern psychology teaches a school, like my field, I have a PhD in clinical psych. And what it teaches you is basically how to be unhealthy. There are some people out there called like Maslow and stuff that, and it's become more popular, called positive psychology, which really does work on living well, but that's still historically that has been the minority. The real majority of psychology is dealing with dysfunction, like how to deal with depression, how to get rid of anxiety, how to get rid of psychosis. And my emphasis has been on how do you live really well? Because what I have found, I've traveled the world, I've been all over the world, 
many, many times. And I have met what I call beautiful souls. Yeah. I mean, souls like they are shining. And so I talked to them. I said, well, how do you do it? You know, what do their lives look like? Are they wealthy? Is that the emphasis? Obviously not. But you discover certain things are in place. And then if we implement those things in our own lives, then we can have that same sense of peace and equanimity in our own lives. It is something we have to do. It's something that's what that's the good news. The good news is any of us can do this. It's not like you have to get your PhD. It's not like you have to, you know, um, you know, make a billion dollars. Any of us can do this at any place that we're at, no matter what's going on. That's the good news is, you know, the bad news is that we have to do it. If we don't do it, as Henry David Thoreau said, you know, most people live lives of quiet desperation. And I think there's deep wisdom in that. And what happens is what I've discovered is what people tend to do is life obviously, you know, throws us curveballs mm -hmm. periodically. You know, we're in a relationship. It ends. We have a job we love. We lose it. We get a health scare, you know, we lose our home on and on. You know, we all know the stories that happen to us. Yeah. So when those stories happen, we kind of have two options. One is, you know, what we typically do is, you know, we don't like it. So we fight it and we're upset about it and it, it kind of overwhelms us. So then we just get so overwhelmed. We often turn to what I call addictions um, to numb that because we get just so tired of dealing with the constant fighting in life. Mm -hmm. And and so we struggle. So we, we I mean, addiction can be anything from alcoholism to food to success to sex. You know, all these things we do to numb it, and that we know that numbing is not good for us in the long run. Anyone who struggles with you know, more serious addictions, we know that ends badly. The other one to do is say, okay, I get it. I do not like it that this happened. I don't. Mm -hmm. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to not let this define me. I'm not going to let this make my life awful. I'm going to feel it. I'm going to process it. But mostly I'm going to let it go, accept it. It's really a sense of acceptance and mm -hmm. then going forward. So the way I end my podcast every week was, you know, I have like 160 episodes now. Yeah. I end it the same way. I say, accept what is, love what is. Now, the caveat there is you do need to, you know, work through, set up boundaries, do all these things to protect yourself, mm -hmm. to be healthy. But once you've done that and life says, nonetheless, here you go, you got cancer. Nonetheless, here you go, your spouse is going to leave you. Nonetheless, here you go, you're going to lose your home. Then you say, okay, now that I have this I'm facing, how do I still find equanimity and beauty in life given that? And we can. It's a harder path because it's a sense of accepting that which we are trying to fight. But when you accept something, then life goes so much better. After you've done things, do you give me if you're like if you're in a relationship, you may get into counseling, ask your spouse if they'll still go to counseling with you. If you're in a job, you may, you know, talk to human resources, see if they can um, you know, get, get you to keep your job. But once you've mm -hmm. done those things and the answer still is no. Then what you work on is saying, okay, then if the answer is no, if I'm going to die in cancer in six months, how do I make that work really well? And what you'll discover is not many, but in every situation, example I just gave, there are people out there that shine when those things happen. I've had yeah. so many people over the years tell me they give me six months to live and it's the best six months I've had in my entire life. I've heard the same thing. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah and not many. I mean, many you suffer. It's horrible. Or they go through It's horrible, awful. We can hang on to things or... We can shine, and that's what I think. You know, Roddy, you and I do. We help people to shine. So. Yeah, yeah. That's and I enjoy the process. The walking it, I think, is really, really enjoyable. So I was talking with a friend. I um, I teach a class at Paradise Valley Community College, and it focuses on Kingian nonviolent conflict reconciliation. Mm -hmm. And we were talking that we were positing to the class that the the source of most violence starts from our own inner violence. Absolutely. Um, totally agree with that. <laughs> yeah. But we were also noting that some people were also born with a different, I don't know, propensity towards mm -hmm. violence. Like they might just be higher on the spectrum. There's mm -hmm. going to be people that are just lower on the spectrum, but there's that work that you can do to kind of minimize that. Is that something that you agree with? How do you work totally. with high or low violence people? 
Well, I think you've nailed it. What I believe that shapes us 100%, like categorically, are two things. The one thing you said, you know, genetics. When, you know, some of us are born, as you say, more kind of grumpy, angry. And then there's our environment. So we can't, it's very challenging to change the genetic part of us. But what we can change is we can change the environment. And the environment we change by the, we're being constantly conditioned all day long by what we watch on television, by what we yeah. listen to on the podcast, by what we, conversations we engage in. Those things affect us. So we have to ask ourselves, you know, if I have a propensity to be angry, am I fueling that or am I dispersing that? It's kind of like someone who has, say, um, type A diabetes. I mean, that's not their fault that they were born with type A diabetes, but if they eat really well, exercise, they can really alleviate a lot of the symptoms that come with type A diabetes. It's the same way with, with anger. I've met some people that would, I think everyone would categorically say as a child, they were very angry. They got in fights all the time. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, because of the work they've done, because they've changed their conditioning, the part that they can affect, you know, they really are peaceful people. And, and again, you know, tr you know, given I have a lot of training in psychology, the most advanced studies out there, the most they can ever come up with, with the, the genetics, is like 50% of it is, is brought on by genetics. Most over 50% or a lot more usually is brought on by our environment. Mm -hmm. So we can greatly impact whatever is going on in our lives. And that's again, that, that does take what the, the key there is kindness. So mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to change if you again have an anger, anger issue. It's a mm -hmm. lot easier to say, I have this anger issue because you know my parents fought when I was younger. I was born with a genetic predisposition towards anger. Anger. Mm -hmm. I'm going to change that, you know, because I'm, I, you know, I really want to be a better person. If you say, I'm a screwed up human being, I'm just a mean person, then guess mm -hmm. what? You're going to remain mean. So when we're kind towards ourselves, and we say, okay, I get it. I, what can I learn from this? How can I grow? Then change kicks in a lot faster. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting because I have the type questions, but it's neat to see where the conversation takes us because it hops around and what uh, would need to kind of come up next. Uh, so I was talking with one of my friends and I was saying, well, I'm going to get to talk to this amazing person that knows all this stuff. What's one of the things you'd like me to ask him? And uh, the thing that he was struggling with is what do we do with the unhappiness? Um, and I think you hit on pieces and points of that, but in just a way of answering that question more directly. Yep. yep. Well, first of it is, let's not fight it. You know, what we do is we, we explore it. On um, One of the most important words in the universe is a word called awareness. Mm -hmm. So you have to first say, okay, what's going on? First, why am I unhappy? What's making me sad right now? Mm -hmm. And then you look at the cause. And again, well, you know, there will be, like we talked earlier, there'll be some genetic predisposition towards it, but mostly it's gonna be brought on by our thoughts. Mm -hmm. Our thoughts are gonna say, well, you know, I was expecting at this point in my life to be here. I was expecting to, you know, be married, have two kids, and I'm single and I still live in an apartment or fill in the, you know, whatever it is, whatever fill in the blank is. And those thoughts are what is feeding the sadness. So once you identify through awareness, okay, this is what I'm thinking, and this these thoughts are causing me to be sad, then my next choice is to say, how do I change these thoughts? How do mm -hmm. I say, oh, okay, maybe I am 40, I never got married, I don't have any kids, but that's okay. A lot of people out there that don't do that and they're very happy. And I'm going to work towards embracing that. And maybe tomorrow it will change because life being impermanent, life does change. But today, mm -hmm. this moment, I can be single and be happy. So mm -hmm. when we when we, when we we have expectations or the attachment, or you know, you referring to it earlier, you know, kind of like Buddhist emphasis, mm -hmm. Buddha said when we have attachments, we suffer. So when we alleviate, when we loosen those attachments, that sadness begins to go away too. Now the key of it is, 
to truly be, you know, the kind of the highest level of you know, peace and happiness we can reach, we have to let go of every attachment. It doesn't mean we can't have preferences. Preferences are fine, but you got to go through life saying, I would really like this to happen, but if it doesn't happen, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And that's hard for us because, you know, the one classic one I use sometimes with particularly um, pretty advanced women that have families, I say, well, let me ask you this one. If your child died, how would you be? If your child was brutally murdered, how would you be? And, you know, almost always I get, I would not be well, I would be bad, and it would probably change my life forever. And right. I say, yet, yet historically, historically, for thousands and thousands of years, if we had kids and we had 10 of them, we'd be lucky if two of them made it to adulthood. And we know, you know, through, you know, biographies and histories, that there obviously were people back then that that, that happened to, and yet they were very happy, content people. Mm-hmm. So what's happened, what happened is our mind shifted. Our mind shifted such that, because medical technology has reached such a level that we don't now expect our children to pass. Yeah. So when they do, that expectation causes us to suffer. So the less expectations we have, the less we suffer. I mean, again, it isn't that, you know, like you said, you, I have done a lot. It isn't that we can't still achieve things. We can't still have things in our life. Mm-hmm. But it's with, with that sense of, I wonder what tomorrow will bring, because I have no idea. I will work towards maybe tomorrow, maybe, you know, in a year from now, I want to go on a trip with my family to say Hawaii. Mm-hmm. I hope I can do that, but who knows? You know, maybe I'll lose my job next year. And that sense of being okay with things changing, and if they work out, say, great. If they don't work out, say, great. Then what happens is that sadness just begins to kind of dissipate. It, it doesn't have anything to hang on to. Because remember, the sadness is always preceded by thoughts. And, you know, cognitive psychology was kind of the most effective tool that's been most researched to be effective with depression. I mean, that's the main thing it teaches. You know, your thoughts are feeding your depression. So watch your thoughts, change your thoughts. Mm-hmm. I take it obviously deeper in the sense of, you know, the way we see the world interprets our world. That's why one person, you know, can walk into, you know, a room and say it's beautiful. And another person can walk in that same room and say it's ugly because of the mm-hmm. way we perceive it. And mm-hmm. when we change the way we perceive things, um, it goes so much better. I'll use an example because it kind of ties in the two we just talked about. Mm-hmm. The other day, I was at a store called Costco. I don't know if you have one you are, but these yeah. big, big yeah. stores, right? Yeah. And I was in there, and um, there, was a, there was only like two lanes open, and Costco, as you know, is huge and busy. And yes. there were really long lines. So um, <clears throat> I, I saw that, you know, a couple people were walking around this other cash register, and they left. I said, hmm, I wonder if they're going to show up here. So I actually just stood in front of the cash register, hopeful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then this, right. then this guy, then this guy behind me in this, in this um cart you know he was, he was you know he was he couldn't walk very well so he had one of those rental carts yeah he said is anyone coming here i, I said i don't know but i'm i'm hopeful so i'm gonna just stand there in case they do and he right. said well and he said do you mind if i go in front of you he said oh absolutely go right in front of me because you know if they come you more than welcome i'm not a big hurry right. so as i'm standing there, there's a guy behind me in the line he's you know halfway through the line and he said what are you doing i said oh i'm just waiting in case someone comes here i don't i don't want to wait in my line i'm gonna try waiting here so well, you need to get back in line because they come we're going to go over there. I said, oh, no problem. Just come in the line right now. You can stand in front of me. And um, and you, you're welcome to stand in front of me, but I'm going to wait here. And he, said, and he got mad. He said, well, daddy, you need to get back in the line. I said, well, I'm offering you to stand in front of you. Now, we may wait a lot longer in this line than right. um, than your line, but it's a risk you're taking. But, you know, you, you, you know I'm willing to stand there and take that risk. And, you know, he just kept going. He was yelling at some other lady. So I kind of yeah. went up to him and said, you know, it's kind of nice when we're just nice people towards each other. And he yeah. looked at me and said, I'm not a nice person, <laughs> you know, so he yeah. was creating a reality that everywhere he went, he fought. Yeah. And, you know, and that was a sad reality, you know, and I imagine when he left, he was you know, angry there. So we create, and I, you know, we were both waiting in line. It was a very long line. I was mm-hmm. pleasantly talking to people and he yeah. was really mad. 
That's yeah. what happens in life. You know, some people lose a job and they're thankful for the break. Other people lose their jobs and it's an attack on their self-esteem and what they think about themselves. So when we suffer, it's always going to be back to that thing. The good news is, if we're, the bad news is if we're suffering, we are causing the suffering. The good mm -hmm. news is that we can change it then. It isn't in anyone else's power to help us suffer. I know people can cause us harm, pain, of course, like mm -hmm. if think of an extreme case like rape. Yeah. I work with rape representatives. I've worked with many thousands of them over the years. Yeah. But what I don't do what we, when I work with people, I don't say, "Don't let that define you." I actually will have the women go back to the place, like they went out with or hiking or place that they're afraid of. Say, "No, you need to go back there and claim that. Don't let that person define you, control you. Feel mm -hmm. your feelings. You know, work through the anger, of course. But you're not mm -hmm. going to let them define who you are and you know make that a fear for the rest of your life. You're going to say, "No, I can work this through, and I'm going to have a beautiful life even when that happens to me." Yeah, a couple of things I really enjoyed the, that I just wanted to highlight drawing out that you saw, talked about. The, having that sense of wonder and minimizing expectation. Mm -hmm. You know, the best movies are the ones that you just didn't have expectations for. It's true. Um, yeah. And then also when you're in a space where you just don't know what to expect and there's an anxiety or, um, you know, because with me, I'm talking about having really difficult conversations around race and privilege and fairness and equity. Uh, mm -hmm. And people get very anchored in their thoughts. Yeah. But when you can kind of come at it, the conversation with a sense of wonder, what is this right. person thinking? What is their background? Why do they feel this way? I think it lowers that anxiety. And another thing that I like to use to explain things, just because I had never seen it just summarized in the same way. There was a Pixar movie, Inside Out. I don't know if you'd seen it. It's heard fantastic, it, yeah. yeah. But it just tells folks, you know, you have to experience sadness. You can't just keep hitting the joy button over and over. Right. That you know, you have to sit with this. Mm -hmm. That this is part of your experience too. Mm -hmm. And I think that really helps. But yeah, you're right. I don't know what it is. Costco seems to be one of the more angry places in the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a good place. Uh, I'm, I'm going to really enjoy your story because now I'm going to look at it as an opportunity to cultivate my own peace. Yeah, and and, and even like you know, again, I live in Southern California. And, you know, as I really work these skills, I really actually enjoy driving. I don't really notice the bad drivers at all. But I know they still exist because when people in my car drive with me, they say, did you see that person? Did you, did you see that person? I say, yeah, but he's probably in a hurry. She's probably, you know, something going on. So I just let him go on. You know, So yeah. it's really how we look at it. And if you, if you see that, all of a sudden you will, you're not giving that other person power. Because, of mm -hmm. course, you know, when things happen, it, may, it can be like what you're working towards instead of it like, with some people, when something happens, they hang on to it for the rest of their lives. Some mm -hmm. people hang on to it for a year. Some people get down to six months. Then it's three months. Then it's then it's a week. Then it's a day. What if you got it down to five minutes? Yeah. Like you know, the person cuts you off, and you you know you, you kind of startle. Just oh my goodness, that was scary. And then mm -hmm. you let them go, and you just go back to your day. So right. instead of like hanging on to that forever, you know, and then the big even with the bigger things, you know, it's it's not letting those things define you. We are incredibly resilient. And yeah. can adapt to anything. You will find people that have had amazing lives that are tragic that are just shine like the sun. You know, they're beautiful because they've learned to adapt. We're adaptable, we're resilient. And given that, if we can break, make that our goal, not that things have to look a certain way, but that we can, whatever the universe has given us, we can say, there's beauty there. I'm going to focus on that part of my life, the beautiful part. So when I hear that idea brought up and, um, you know, like having heard your stuff, I know we've got a great answer to this, but people will say, you know, if everyone suffers and everyone suffers differently, and especially working in my world of uh, trying to promote equity, uh, trying to make sure that we're trying to create spaces and systems that serve all people, sometimes people will 
push back with a counter narrative of, well, everyone suffers. Isn't this just an opportunity for that person to overcome their suffering? How would you kind of speak to that, uh, to that idea of both the sufferer having to work within their own suffering, but then also that's not a good enough reason not to create more happiness in the rest of the world for other folks. Yeah. I mean, the, the main thing is we never want to be the cause of suffering for other people. And, mm-hmm. you know, life, life is, I mean, I don't know how it works, but this one I can guarantee you. Anyone in life that is doing well, I mean, really well, they mm-hmm. deeply care. What comes from that is what's called compassion. You just get mm-hmm. compassionate for other people. Even if you go to the monasteries where monks live in isolation, you know, whether, whatever their faith is, they are praying all day long for other people. So there's a deep sense of compassion that comes from caring for other people. So of, of course you're going to care, and of course you're going to do everything in your power to have alleviate suffering. Mm-hmm. But also you're going to be especially careful to make sure you're not causing suffering. And that's mm-hmm. where self-awareness, you know, kicks in. Like you were saying earlier, Rowdy, like, you know, you got the ability to understand other people. And mm-hmm. sometimes, I mean, someone, let's say someone is, um, I don't want to pick on any type of group, but someone, let's say they're really, you know, the angry, fill in the bank group. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if you want to fight them, their walls are going to go up and they will never say anything. You will never change their thoughts at all. But mm-hmm. if you will sit with them, say, help me understand your point of view. Help me understand why do you think this way? I'll use my own example. Um, I grew up, like I said, I grew up in Iowa, you know, typical midwestern kind of guy mm-hmm. and w- when i went to graduate school the first graduate school i went to was at princeton mm-hmm. and they had, they had a very strong women's group there you know women's movement you know that wasn't my upbringing so um but i wanted to know i really wanted to know because i you know felt like i was just didn't understand it so there was the president of the, the society there her and i went to lunch together i don't know probably like three months straight and she mm-hmm. just i just asked questions and you know i listened because one of my friends had been yelled at for holding the door open and and yeah. you know and you know and he's, you know and um, he said, I would hold it open for a guy. But so I just said, help me understand it because I don't quite understand it. And during that three months, she actually changed me into a mm-hmm. much softer kind of person. And I think, you know, like the sexism that I had been taught growing up really dissipated after that. So sometimes we'll learn things from them, but sometimes mm-hmm. we will change them too. If, you know, if you really, let's say kind of extreme example, of Ku Klux Klan, yelling mm-hmm. at them and screaming them, I mean, they're never going to listen to you. We say, no. Help me understand your position and say, do you ever kind of wonder? You know, I mean, my guess is that guy at Costco. Mm-hmm. After he said, because I was really nice for him, I was really nice for him. I guess as he thought about it afterwards, you know, I don't know. I mean, my experiences and people do. So yeah. when we when we are kind, we're a lot more receptive to other people. And I think what you're doing is awesome. Creating change is awesome. But what happens is, when you take care of yourself, and your life is much much more filled with equanimity. Mm-hmm. Instead of thinking, I got to make a lot of money, retire. I can't wait till I'm done with what I'm doing. You yeah. get where you what I, you get where I'm at. Like I've been doing what I've been doing for 35 years now. I work with individuals and corporations. Mm-hmm. All I do is doing what I'm doing right now with you. Mm-hmm. I love doing it. I have zero expectations of ever retiring. And yeah. I would challenge you to find someone that does what I do that has done it that long. Because you yeah. just get burnt out. Typically in the health profession, you get burnt out. But if you if you create this sense of taking care of yourself, being kind towards people, what happens is, as you know, particularly since you and your listeners are so much into helping the world, mm-hmm. you last so much longer. You stay in the game so much longer and you really can keep doing it for the rest of your life. And if you can keep doing it for the rest of your life, imagine the change you'll make versus if you only do it for two years and then you get burned out, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so. right. Yeah, that leads me to one of the next questions that I had, because I always find, especially folks that are driven in the same way maybe you and I are, the impetus of what we're trying to do, I think, with other people is also a way of kind of like scratching our own itch or finding a way to like 
heal ourselves. Like there's something that we're getting out of the thing that we're doing. Mm-hmm. What do you think was the the thing in your story that was the driver that moved you to this place to healing others, healing yourself? Yeah, I get had a you know my dad didn't do it over. I had a really good parents. My father's actually still alive, but there was a you know he was very very proud of me because I was I was good in school. So he was like, oh my goodness, you can do so much in life. Mm-hmm. And I took that in as I had to do a whole lot with life. <laughs> yeah. So 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 I pushed myself and pushed myself and pushed myself and pushed myself, and um, I realized that was causing me a lot of suffering. So mm-hmm. when I realized that that you know it was coming from you know things that just weren't healthy for me, then I said, okay, let's do this. Let's take that same energy and set apply it to just having a good life and enjoying the journey. So mm-hmm. kind of after I finished college and graduate school, I had that great opportunity to, you know, to, when you do clinical psych, they recommend you do therapy, which I did. Mm-hmm. And it just opened my world to, wow, I can actually let this achievement stuff go. And mm-hmm. instead of doing it because I have to in order to feel good about myself or for my dad to like me, I can just do it because it's fun, <laughs> you know? And that's such a better way to live life. It's like, you know, it's like if you're an artist, paint for the joy of painting. Don't do it because you want to, you know, have your um, painting in the net. You know, mm-hmm. it's like that. It's like, do it for the sake of doing it. Whether anyone likes it, you just do it for the sake of doing it. And what happens, you really avoid burnout. Because I think with people that tend to be successful, mm-hmm. you know, there's a real sense of getting burnout. They want to push themselves, push themselves, and they are either ready to die because they're so exhausted, or when they get to the end and they make their goals, you know, they're just, they don't know what to do with the free time. They also have is that one thing they did, and they just right. get exhausted. So, so enjoying the journey, Keeping your life balanced. I, uh, one of the more recent podcasts I, uh, is coming out next week. It's called "Sauntering Through Life." Mm-hmm. The Taoists have this thing, and, and um, Taoists is a kind of a philosophy that comes out of China. Mm-hmm. You know, they they say instead of trying to be number one, be eight or nine. You know, and instead <laughs> yeah. of trying to push yourself, just flow with life. You know, they, they use a lot of words "flow." So in one of my books, I have the title "Flow." Mm-hmm. I think instead of that fighting, we're a lot. And if you study, and I'm sure everyone that's listening has heard this thing like being in the zone. Mm-hmm. And we've studied it extensively. It's very simple, actually. The person first has a skill that they're good at, mm-hmm. and then what happens is they they stop thinking about winning. they stop thinking about losing. They just do re- they just do what they've done really well. So the power that shows you the power of the mind. So when our mind gets in the way, we mess up. I mean, I always use an example. Could you imagine a ballerina who's just twirling, going really fast, saying, "I need to put my left foot here, and my right foot there." <laughs> we can't do right. that. Yeah. So when we get in the flow. We do it well, but when we get in our head, we don't do as well, you know, because we all know Shock, you know, the basketball player, you know, he was a fabulous basketball player, mm-hmm. and yet he wasn't very good at free throws. And it yeah. wasn't that he wasn't good at free throws, but because everyone told him he wasn't good at free throws, he got in his head that he wasn't good at free throws. So that's a part of the mind. But the reverse is true. When we get in the flow, when we're not concerned about achievement, when we're not concerned about saving the world, we're just doing what we're doing for the love of doing it, then it goes so much better. So for me, Instead of like doing it for the achievement, just doing it for the passion of it has made my life gazillion times better. <laughs> so, yeah, so much better. Gazillion times. So yeah, yeah. I'm definitely walking that path myself. I, I think I find myself higher on the violence spectrum, and bringing these things in and practicing mm-hmm. this stuff has really made a really, really big difference. So, if and it's awesome that you're doing that. That's, I mean, again, Roddy, you're such a great example to all listeners. You know, you're admitting. You know, you say this is something I struggle with, and I work at it. That's the key. No matter what it is, we can change anything. No matter what it is, so it isn't that you know you don't label yourself. I actually, you know, as a psychologist, people always want to label: Am, am I depressed? Am I schizophrenic? Whatever it is, I say no. Mm-hmm. I don't. I've never labeled a person in my entire life because if you label it, you take that label on. So don't take on any labels. Mm-hmm. You just are. 
you have tendencies, but you just are, and then you can begin to soften those labels. So. Right. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. The way I hear you speak about happiness, I hear you liken it to more as a habit, as a practice. So if happiness is a, is a habit or a practice, what can we do to cultivate more of it? Yeah, it's understanding what's involved. You know, one of the, it's simple things like I began to talk with. It's like one of the things I talk about, everyone knows is gravity. You know, if you fight gravity, you're going to get hurt. You're gonna think, There's no yeah. gravity. I'm going to jump off the roof. You're going to get hurt. And yeah. the, the gravity of mental life is called impermanence. Mm-hmm. Life changes. And mm-hmm. we, we have such a tendency to want to grasp on the things, to hang on to things. So the more we do that, the more we're going to suffer. So if we want to truly be happy, we have to be like, I, again, that other example I give, we have to be like little children where we're not grasping on anything. We're just, life is just an adventure. Mm-hmm. And then when you notice that you start saying, wow, I really like that meal. I want to have it again. You say, that's the path of suffering. Let that go. Be thankful for what you have now, but live mm-hmm. in the present moment. And then when things are a little off, like you wake up with back pain, mm-hmm. you say, yeah, I worked up with back pain, but that cup of tea I'm having this morning is really good. So mm-hmm. you, you begin to shift your focus on, you can focus on the back pain, but we are so good at adapting to things. So when you get that, okay, whatever my mind focuses on, that's what I get back. So why mm-hmm. not focus on the thin life that are you know, more peaceful, more beautiful. And then what we do is we, we realize that we also are very much infected by our environment. So if ever, if you have people in your life that are toxic, that are, you know, are, um, you, know maybe, you know, cruel, you say, maybe it's time to me to start loosening my grip with them and maybe not mm-hmm. spend as much time with them. Or if I'm, you know, if I'm watching violence or if I'm um, engaging in never negative conversations, it's probably time for me to start backing off from that mm-hmm. and doing things that if I want to be more happy and peaceful, I do need to surround myself with more happy, peaceful things. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. be, being in South Central LA with the gangs is much harder to find that sense of peace and say, you know, in a, in a, in a working, working in the national parks as a park ranger, it's going to be easier mm-hmm. there. So right. make yeah. sure you're working towards literally putting yourself in situations. Like I love nature. I think meditation is amazing. I think it's one of the best things we can do for our soul. We agree. learn to be quiet. Yeah. I think working out is good. I think, um, you know, having really positive healthy friends in our life is good and if mm-hmm. they're not just you know work with them and see if maybe we can make it better you know mm-hmm. and what we what we watch on television matters what we listen yeah. to all that matters and, and so the more it's often our life are much like food you know mm-hmm. there's that saying we are what we eat mm-hmm. we are what we expose ourselves to the thoughts we have the things we like i i watch so little negativity if every mm-hmm. once in a while all my kids say hey dad let's go to this movie I almost always dream about it that night, <laughs> you know, because I'm yeah. so not used to it, you know. So, right. so, but the reverse is true. If you kind of, that's all you've ever known, that's all you kind of expose yourself to, exposing yourself to healthy things. What will happen? Here's a real caveat here: mm-hmm. when you're when you're used to kind of the, the crazy pandemonium of life, if mm-hmm. you kind of go on retreat and have a week by yourself, you'll you'll say this is boring. So mm-hmm. that's the catch. There. The ego says this is boring. That's kind of last thing the ego hangs onto, our minds hang onto. It's not boring, but it's your mind not wanting you to find peace and rest in the present moment. It wants to just fight life. So. Well, it's so funny because I find myself able to explain this idea really well in relationships. You know, mm-hmm. they'll be like, "Oh, this relationship's boring." You're like, "No, nah, mm-hmm. probably this relationship's really healthy." <laughs> right, right. <laughs> there's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to be concerned about. You know, they, they intensity. They're going to. Yep. Right. Yeah. Like you know, we, our arguments are very civil, and we find right. solutions to things. Like right. uh, yep, you know, yep, yep. it doesn't mean there's no passion. It just means right. that um, you right. know, intensity right. is not necessarily intimacy. Uh, And when people learn and know that stuff, it makes a big difference. It does, it does. 
So this is a one of the questions I have a harder time to explain to people that are very extrinsic with wanting to serve other people. So why why would someone that uh, wants to be is more of a people pleaser? Why is it important that they concentrate on their own happiness for others? I again, it gets back to what I said earlier. One is because you are a people person, as you know, I'm sure both you and I are, mm -hmm. and we care for people. You'll stay in it so much longer. I mean, I, I really challenge you to find someone that's doing what I'm doing for 35 years straight. You just mm -hmm. you don't find it. So the self care keeps you in the game longer. It makes you more effective. Mm -hmm. It makes you more caring, and it makes you. It's a balance of like, you know, again, you know, it's, it's again, I, I use the example. It's not like eating, mm -hmm. you know, if you eat really well, you know, you're going to probably live a really healthy full life. Like I've missed one day of work in 35 years. That's a pretty good record, you know, yeah, that's amazing. So, um, yeah. So, so those things work. So once you realize that, okay, it's by, it's like, I'm a cup and I want to, I want to water the world. If my cup's empty, I can't water anyone, but if my cup's mm -hmm. full, I can give to the world. So we we just do so much better from a full cup than from an empty cup and if you can if, if you're if you fight that if you say but i want to these people are suffering i need to do everything in my power to help them you can but you probably won't keep doing it you know you probably are your turn to addiction because you're going to get overwhelmed by it why mm -hmm. not instead saying i'll make sure and that, i'm not talking about like you know you know like i'm um, going out and buying yourself stuff mm -hmm. or you know things like that I'm, we're talking about just sitting being still watching sunsets the things excuse me, that fill us back up. And from that fullness, you know, it's far better. And in many ways, caretakers are much like parents. We do, we're so much better as a parent when we model behavior, when we're just telling people what to do. So, yeah. um, you know, so it's better to model it, say, I'm doing this, and you're, you're going to be more empathetic. You're not going to react. You're going to respond better. It's just overall a far better way to live life. But the biggest thing I can argue is, you know, the burnout is the thing that's going to catch any caretaker. You just get tired. And you avoid the tiredness through taking care of yourself. What happened to me was when I was in college, one summer I'd worked at a packing plant. It was a horrible job. And mm -hmm. I, it was tons of hours. But I, I saved $2,000 that summer. Mm -hmm. The next summer, I went to Europe. And with the plane fare and everything, I spent $2,000 for the entire summer. Mm -hmm. But I traveled around Europe, you know, by, you know, by you know, bicycle and um, Europass. And stuff mm -hmm. on a lot of beaches, a lot of, lot of, stuff on a lot of trains. But, but it was a beautiful trip. But what I discovered was that people in Europe start off with six weeks, six weeks a year of vacation. They really, yeah. you know, they do that. And it's like, mm -hmm. so I have, since my, since I began my work, cause I've always worked for myself, I have always taken off six weeks a year of vacation. So okay. I think just ha having things in place like that, mm -hmm. I meditate, I meditate. And I mean, I know I'm a little extreme now, but it, but it, it really works for me. And I make time for it. I meditate an hour and a half every day. I mean, I know most people won't do that, mm -hmm. but I do, I do yoga every day. So those things that I have in place, Make it make it so that I can keep doing that. When we do self care, mm -hmm. you know, again, I mean, you, you can say, well, are you helping anyone? Well, I mean, four million downloads isn't bad. So yeah, <laughs> you know, right. You know, so it does seem to kind of work. You know, I think when you push it, it's like eh, you may get tired. So maybe don't push it so hard. So <laughs> yeah, no, it's amazing you use the cup analogy because when I meet folks like that, the thing I usually try to appeal to them is. Um, you know, it's that champagne fountain where they pour into one cup, which fills mm -hmm. into the other mm -hmm. cup, which fills mm -hmm. into the next. I love um, that. That's the way I feel like you have to give to others. You have to pour into yourself to the point that you finally overflow. Mm -hmm. And if your cup's empty, there's nothing to give. Right. And that overflow is really, I think, what makes a big difference. Absolutely. So yeah. um, being someone that 
looks at happiness that spends time with happy people that surrounds himself with that type of um, peace and fulfillment i find that people who spend time in these spaces have the ability to communicate a vision to others that people couldn't see so what would you how would you describe what the world would look like with happier people in it hmm. good question i've never been asked that question i i think what will happen is you will find happier people in it when you change so mm-hmm. i think you will say it isn't whether it happens or not what happens all of a sudden you begin to have a deep love for everyone and so when you see like that guy in costco like my example mm-hmm. i wasn't angry at him i wasn't upset at him i had sympathy and con- concern for him mm-hmm. you know so what happens is all of a sudden one person sees the world as all this horrible stuff happening you know from you know kids getting killed and shot you know to i um, mean wars and the other person sees the exact same world and say yeah there is that and we're working on that but there's also all this beauty out there too so the slight shift again my driving example the slight shift is that you will see the world differently and when you know you're on the right path when all of a sudden even with all that stuff going on and you are actively doing things to make it better mm-hmm. at the exact same time the world begins to become greener mm-hmm. becomes brighter so it actually will be that way by doing this as you learn to care for yourself and care for others both and mm-hmm. the world actually is beginning to become a brighter place even though to other people it looks a lot darker. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's interesting. I didn't even think of it that way. Like it wouldn't really matter so much cuz you'd already see it that way no matter what. Right, right, That's right. It's really right. cool. <laughs> so with that, uh I really really very very much appreciate uh the time, the interest. I know you're an incredibly busy person, so this is my deep bow to you in appreciation for the time for you know, the unprompted message that you'd sent me even on LinkedIn, just like saying, hey, you're doing great stuff. Uh, But that being said, you're really great at this stuff. And I think uh, my audience, especially folks that are activists, need to be really good at self-care, need to be good at the things that you know and the things that you could recommend. Uh, Is there anything that you'd recommend as far as, you know, I've recommended your podcast to them, obviously. Books, uh, anything that you could recommend that would help them be happier in their fight to make the world happier too yeah the tortoise and the hare um mm-hmm. tortoises really do win the race of life so you may hear this stuff and say okay i need to be doing this the ego will kick in and say you need to be doing this all right away and then you're just going to get exhausted trying to do self-care mm-hmm. <laughs> you know or you're, or you're like people say, <laughs> right where do you go he disappeared sprinting you know, to self-care <laughs> yeah so it's better to say i'm going to just make small steps you know kind of again mm-hmm. using my food analogy I eat well, but I didn't always, you know, so it's like, you know, mm-hmm. is to say right now you, you don't eat very well. So maybe start with a meal, having a salad every meal, you know, and then mm-hmm. with time, you know, making it the main meal is a salad, you know, so you begin to, you begin to make changes and don't overwhelm yourself, but get it to that, that change as a habit. Once it's a habit in place, say, I got it. Oh, I got this habit in place. So I'm going to do this. Then just start implementing it. The other thing I like is what I call a list. I recently did a podcast on that. Create a list of what works for you that really helps you keeps you healthy, keeps you happy, keeps you in the game. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, kind of like with goals, you know, like most people are familiar with goals, but this is like a happiness goal. You're looking at this thing and saying, these things make me happy, you know, like, uh, by by realizing that I can be happy no matter what, that, that if I live in the present moment, keep my life simple. When you have that list, it, it's just your list and you can refer to it, that regular conditioning will begin to shape all of us. And so it's it's working towards it not pushing yourself. Again, if you want to learn the piano, you're not going to play at Carnegie without a lot of practice, but you can work towards Carnegie by practicing. So Mm -hmm. keep practicing. There's no limit to how far we can go. 
and we can go really far. And then, and then the other thing is, you know, when you lose faith or you get discouraged, realize there are people out there just like you and I that do it. And all you have to do is just keep doing it. This is the one thing, unlike intelligence, it's like money or anything else, this is the one thing we can keep doing and get better at till the day we die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just my recommendation for other folks, uh, I went to your website, drpuff.com, uh, backslash bookstore, and there's just a wealth of resources, stuff that you can buy, stuff that's free online. The really amazing thing uh, that I deeply admire about you, Dr. Puff, is you you see the ability to help, understand that you have the capacity to help, and you reach out, and you make the time to do it. The fact that you're willing to sit down and talk to me, talk to my audience, uh, just shows that you're this type of person. And it's really the thing I'm hoping to communicate in the space that I'm at, both at the community college teaching students. You know, you may never be rich, but happiness is within your grasp, uh, yeah. as well as trying to find ways to help spread that happiness out for other people, like eliminating the suffering they're experiencing. I well, definitely recommend other, those stuff you yeah, have there. And, and the other thing, too, is that, you know, because I work with very wealthy people, and what you, I just, Obviously, poverty is hard, and though you can still be happy even if you're impoverished, it's impoverished, it's harder. But yeah. the one thing I'll absolutely guarantee you, because I work with some, I've worked with some of the wealthiest people on the planet, mm-hmm. that that doesn't matter. It won't add one iota to it. It doesn't make you unhappy, but it mm-hmm. won't make you happy. So stop disabusing yourself that that in any way does anything for happiness. It doesn't do dip for it. It made mm-hmm. people like you. It made people think you're awesome. But even that, if that worked, then Robin Williams wouldn't hug himself because everyone thought he was awesome. Marilyn Rural wouldn't have killed herself because everyone thought she was beautiful. Mm. None of that. Just pick, I always say, pick up People Magazine. I can prove my theory in a heartbeat. Just look at their lives and why do they keep ending up with drug rehabs? Because that path doesn't work. Doesn't mean you can't go for it, but just don't expect it to make any difference. Yeah, and it's okay to have those goals, but you know, it's not necessarily your key to happiness. It's just one of your steps, maybe. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, And you know, the better thing is to do is say, what do I love to do? Then, you know, there are people that obviously are Fortune 500 CEOs that love what they do. Great. But Mm -hmm. don't do it for the prestige or for the money. Do it for the love of it. And that's the people that tend to do better, even if they end up getting a lot of success from it, when they're doing it just because they love doing it. Is there anything else that you'd want to leave my audience with? No, I'm just really pleased to meet them. Um, I hope I will meet you in person someday. You know, just really believe that you can go as far in life as possible. And again, the, the bad news is if you're not as far as you want to be, you know, it's, it's getting back to you. But the good news is if you want to go further, no one can keep you from it, no matter what. There's just nothing that keep you can keep you from having a beautiful life. Well, I'm utterly convinced we're on a we're on a path now. It may be a year or two before we meet, but I find myself in these situations um, and know what the first steps feel like. So I don't doubt we'll be able to meet and sit down and uh, get to shake your hand, hug your neck uh, at some <laughs> point in the future. Yeah, me too. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate you doing this. Uh, I appreciate your time and everything else. Is there uh, anything I can do to help you in any way? Nope, just, just, just keep doing what we're doing. I think that's the best. It all works all right. out, so <laughs> I really believe well, that. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I do too. And I just, uh, I just appreciate you, and I appreciate the time very, very much. Thank you, Roddy. Have a great day. Right. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.